Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel is now partnering with the Mazadcast, offering you the best Mizzou gear on the market. All you have to do is enter the promo code Mizzou, and you'll get 20% off your entire purchase. So do it now. Home Field Apparel, the best stuff you can get. The football season is in full swing, and Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Head to Bet Online today and use our promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. That's right. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. It don't get no better than that, man. He's lined up to short middle. Beatty with the catch, and he's gonna jet his way into the end zone. Missouri touchdown. Hand off to Roundtree, running left. It's 35 to the 40. Left sideline around the end. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, tonight is Mike Leach's Paranormal Activities Research Partner, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Not with us tonight is Caleb Bungart, who is... What's what's Caleb up to tonight? Nursing a child with his own bosoms? Yeah, I think that's right. He's lactating now. (laughs) We're coming to you a little later because, you know, the regular season's over, so we really didn't give a shit about getting it out too much in a hurry, but... uh, We felt no pressure. (laughs) especially given the events of the game. Mizzou obviously lost to Mississippi State 51-32. to It was a very difficult game to watch. And, I mean, Colin, I don't know where to start with it, honestly. I mean, we took a little heat on Twitter because I was pretty despondent about the way the game went. And then we got into a little back and forth. But you had said before this game started this would be the first game that you felt like Eli Drinkwitz was going to be exposing himself to criticism if he like this was his first sort of uh, must win or game that no maybe not must win but game that he should win. Had he no excuse not to basically no you weren't missing half your offensive linemen. He was missing a lot of defense now. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, but I mean your 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 offense is installed. You have your quarterback. You have your running backs. Nick Bolton's there. You got the thicker kicker, picker upper. Like I said, Vegas called this a pick'em. I said it should have been a win, and they got fucking housed. They got housed by a two and seven, now three and seven Mississippi State team. It was ugly, and there was a lot of Mizzou excuse making. I think because one, it's Drinkwitz's first season, so obviously people don't want to shit on the coach in their first year. But also, there were a lot of defenders missing because of COVID and other reasons. Mm-hmm. It was not. I mean, our we've fl- been doing this long enough to know that the Pollyannas. There's a contingent of our fan base and probably every fan base that don't believe, as you would say, that two things can exist at the same time. And that is, I appreciate that we are moving the right direction. I appreciate the job that Coach Drinkwitz is doing. I think the program is heading the right direction. I'm also very mad, and this is a bad outcome, and I'm going to call it like I see it, and it was shit. Yeah, and those, those two things can exist in the same universe at the same time. But if you tweet them out, oh my God, you catch a lot of flack. This is the stupidest thing that people can say. I mean, there's a lot of cliches people throw out in the sports world and out on social media, but when somebody says stay in your lane, my reaction to that is always fuck you because like you said, two (laughs) things can exist at the same time. And in this reality, like 
If you say that we're upset with the way the team played, that doesn't diminish the success and the progress that Coach Drinkwitz has had this season. You know, we had five wins in a game in a season. We were only supposed to have three wins and everybody was clicking in a way that was really fun to watch. And this is the only time really that Mizzou fans have turned on each other because it's been, a, you know, the only well, devastating loss. But that doesn't mean that we can't talk about all the failings in this game because there were many. It's. It doesn't mean we're not good fans. That our uh, our level of investment in this team is not high enough. You know, we don't get it. Or we've done a podcast about football for seven years, so I don't want to hear anybody question our bona fides as far as are we invested in the team. And like I said, but the, but the team played bad. We lost to a two and seven team. We got fucking worked. The truth is, is we haven't played a good quarter of football in quite some time. No, it's you know because been- this is just carried over from Georgia, and that there are large portions of the Arkansas game that were not very pretty. I mean, listen, Coach Drink has obviously got things moving in the right direction. Basilak's a good quarterback, though he took a lot of heat, and deservedly so. He has played the last couple of weeks, has played pretty shoddy. This was definitely his worst game as a starting quarterback, no question. But at the end of the day, they have not played a lot of good football in quite some time, and I I think Drinkowitz has got the right tracks, and obviously the recruiting's going well, but that does not wallpaper over the fact that this was a terrible outcome, and the effort was not there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the game plan was not, it was just bad. And then it was the first time I saw Mizzou, well, they love going man defense and it just, it wasn't working. It hasn't worked because they can't get any pressure up front. And Colin. I, I even had, I even, I had a Barry Odom defender come at me <laughs> on Saturday. That's how upset people were. I was basically saying, look at this, look, the most talented unit on our team for several years, you know, D line zoo was our defensive line. I said, did Barry Odom never recruit a single defensive lineman like this? It, it's now the weakest link. One or at least one of the weakest links on our team. And some guy was like, I don't know, he said something to, to the effect of, don't be silly, don't be serious, you know, they can't blame Barry Odom for that. I'm like, well, who fucking recruited him for the last four years? Who am I supposed to blame? Drinkwitz or nobody? Like, I don't understand. As a fan, I don't I don't know. What, again, can, I guess you fandom can be, is subjective. You can be upset about the outcome of one game, and it won't change the way you feel. I mean, if we weren't Mizzou fans, we wouldn't care. The thing that I don't understand about this attitude is that you can never criticize your team. That's not being a fan. That's being a cult member. That's wearing That's the doing. same weird Reeboks and letting somebody fuck your wife in a weird shed <laughs> yeah, out in Montana. Know, That's not fandom. You know? yeah, I don't want to name tennis shoes as everyone else. No, but, it shouldn't um, come to that. But, but that's what I mean. Like, I, am I, you know, to point out that a defensive line is bad, it's not, it's just pointing out facts. You well, know what I mean? Like, they have not gotten pressure. Not to make too many excuses for Basilak because he has been inaccurate. The offensive line has not played great football through the whole season. I, mean, I know, COVID, and, and the, but the offensive and defensive lines are the biggest concern for me with the team. And to point that out is not, does not make me a bad fan. It makes me a fucking realist. You know, and it's pretty obvious that Bolton's been hurt for the last uh, couple games at least. And, uh, you know, we, we were missing Gillespie, and you could really use an experienced safety when you're playing a team that's going to go air raid. Um, but, you know, again, defensive line could get no pressure, so they could throw all day long. Defensive line never laid a glove on their fucking running back. That was completely the job of the safeties and the linebackers to make him tackle him. I mean, we're calling the you- problems on defense are glaring. One of the things that I think even the Pollyannas will allow you to uh, criticize is the uh, maybe the coaching of Ryan Walters for that defense. I mean, one of the things that Steve Robertson talked about in the preview show we did last week was he said that Barry Odom, actually, when Arkansas played Mississippi State, exposed Mississippi State's offense by dropping eight into coverage and not playing man. Mm-hmm. And he wondered yep. if Mizzou was going to try to play man as they have all year long because that clearly was not. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. 
Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. The best way to play this Mississippi State team and cancel out the air raid. And what drove me up a fucking wall was not necessarily even the lack of talent at defensive line or at any of the safety positions where we actually had to play a third string quarterback as a safety. That didn't bother me so much as the fucking scheme. We didn't start doing what everybody else has done that's kept Mississippi State has not scored more than, I don't think, 24 points in a game until they whipped us with 51 points on offense. People can say air raid all they want, but look back at the scores of this Mississippi State Bulldog team. They're scoring 14 points a game, 17 points a game, and because everybody saw that if you drop eight into coverage and you play a little zone, you can negate what they're trying to do. And Ryan Walters, for some reason, thought he knew better than everybody else who was winning against Mississippi State. That was infuriating to me. It's the greatest flaw you'll see in coaching at all levels, and that is we've got a game plan we do we do us we never change despite the fact that the bill belichicks and the fucking nick sabins of the world who have sort of got a little bit of a track record of success have been chameleon like when well, it comes to their programs and their their franchises but you know gary pinkle was a very guilty of that barry odom certainly was guilty of that i mean and those are just our coaches but many coaches at all levels are very guilty of this is what we do. And regardless of circumstance, I think that's what Walters happened. I mean, like, he's just like, we play man. That's what we do. And so despite the fact that dropping eight in the coverage is what everybody else has decided works best, we're going to do what we do. And we basically paid the price for it. The, the fact that a guy who comes on our podcast three days before a football game can tell you how to diagnose and play this Mississippi State offense effectively and yet the guy we pay millions of dollars to be an assistant coach can't figure it out. That's hard to deal with. I wonder, I mean, he was he's an Odom holdover. I do wonder if he's going to be our, our defensive coordinator next year. I mean, it's not like Barry Odom defenses were gangbusters. Personally, I don't mind the scheme. I like going. No, I, I like don't mind either, but I'd like to adjust whenever it's called for. I No, listen, I do. I agree, but I like the scheme. I like, I like going uh, man-to-man. I like being aggressive. I like the stunts. I like the blitzes. Problem is, is that we don't always have the horses to do that. And and you can't do it every time. I mean, like, it ju- you just can't. I mean, the, something that, you know, teams do all the time is when you got a good receiver, you roll coverage. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the safety's going to basically shadow this side of the field because that's where their good receiver's at. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a minor adjustment that every football team will make. Why do the adjustments have to stop there? You know what I mean? Like, why would you just continue to adjust to all the things that are going on? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if they're going to put five and six receivers on the field, then rush three down linemen and just fucking flood the zone. I hate to almost get into the specifics of this game because at a certain point it didn't much matter, but it did matter early when Missouri scored an early touchdown, not just scoring a touchdown, but there was a, a targeting penalty against Mississippi State that took out one of their best defenders and gave us a lot of hope that maybe we would be able to score all over these guys. We got out to an early lead and then everything I feel like fell apart when we muffed the punt return oh, that it just I- reminds me of – it, it, that is being a Missouri fan in a lot of oh, ways. You know what I mean? Just like a big fucking toe off. I mean, just Colin, I'd like to root for a college football team that I could go to take a piss and knowing that we're going to go to a commercial break, not having to watch the punt return because it's just no like, shit. oh, this is a pro forma sort of maneuver. Everybody can do this. This is peewee football stuff. But I can't watch him, Mizzou. I have to watch the punt return because even if it's a fair catch, we fuck things up. And we have well, basically my whole life, and it is. And I mean, that's where this game took a turn for the you know nosedive, if you ask me. Yeah, that ca- that kid, like I was, of course, ready to revoke his scholarship uh, <laughs> yeah. in the moment, but I initially felt bad for him, honestly, because they literally had a camera on him on the sidelines, and he was crying. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I was like oh God, you know what I mean? Like that poor guy. Yeah, but he only has one job, and he fucked it up royally. Yeah, and, uh, I know. I don't even want to. I didn't even want to linger on it because I know it is a gut punch to that kid, but it was an even bigger gut punch to the team, frankly. And it wasn't the reason we lost. It was very early into the game, but it did set a tone early. And we had yeah, four we're turnovers. Team right now, they can really deal with big momentum swings at this yeah. point. We're just not that effective a team yet. But we're, I mean, this is the first year. I mean, not, some of the, a lot of these guys are seniors, but this is the first year of a, of, of a, something being built. The, the thing about it to me, Colin, is this looks like a team that, 
after we punched in the game winner against Arkansas, I, I kind of feel like they tucked it in and said, we'll call that a season. You know what I mean? We're, we're five and three now. We did better than anybody thought. <laughs> they didn't look. Now that brings up the big Q word, you know, and if you say the word Q, U-I-T, a lot of people get mad because there have been so many obstacles this team has faced in their year of coronavirus. But the problem I have with using coronavirus as an excuse is that I just listened to the Mississippi State guy tell me last week that the reason they lost the Egg Bowl in a big part was because they were five safeties down. And I didn't use, and I said on the show, like, not a good enough excuse for me because everybody else is dealing with the same issue. Now, I feel like I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I gave Mizzou a pass because they were missing guys on defense when I just told the team that beat us they didn't get to. I don't think you or I was, are saying they quit. You can not quit, but also lose your sense of urgency. And when they got above 500 and they basically defied expectations, they're probably, you know, I think they, they maybe got a little guilty of losing that sense of urgency that, you know, that we need to win these games. You know, like they knew they'd accomplished something that nobody had really. No, and I was like, they didn't, I noticed that they quit, but like I said, that I think it was pretty clear they lost their edge. One thing that has happened is in the last three games, Missouri has given up about 150 points. And that's not an exaggeration. I think it may be 148. But we've been giving up 50 points a game against Arkansas, Georgia, and Mississippi State. And those are not three teams that are of the same caliber. Mm -hmm. We've been giving up 50 points to everybody. Well, remember before the Arkansas game, Mizzou was like third in the SEC or fourth in the SEC in defense, total team defense or something like that. People are starting to talk about the defense as a as a uh, like a strength of the team, and boy, that that talk has certainly dried up. No, it's a it's a weak spot for sure. I mean, we are we're definitely weak with the you know people know the throw on us, and yeah. you know we got a lot to talk about because we they're part of the reason we're doing this late is not just being lazy, but it's also because a lot of things are going on. We had to wait until a bowl game got named, and that's been done. We wanted to see Missouri take to the court again. It's been a long time since our big win over Illinois that we actually played basketball, and then there were some SEC honors that went out as well. So we've got a lot to talk about. And also, we've got a lot of voicemails that date back to that Saturday ball game, and it would be interesting to hear what the fans had to say about it because, you know, as you know, a lot of these calls come in in the middle of the game, and people are red hot. You know, they are not rational, but sometimes they come in like a day later or two, you know, a couple of days later, and the perspective changes. And so, I'm being interested to hear that. Let's do it. All right, this is the Mazzotcast. <laughs> Hey guys, we have a new sponsor. Who is it? Well, they're called Manscaped. And oh, I know, I know this product. Yeah, they sent us some stuff, didn't they? Yeah, we shaved our sweet salty balls with them. I'll tell you what, they have good stuff. I shaved and I found a tattoo I forgot I even had. <laughs> <laughs> They're the number one men's below-the-belt grooming company in America. My balls are so soft. <laughs> Who's the governing body who decides this, by the way? I don't know, but I, I believe what they're telling me. Manscaped has redesigned its electric trimmer. It's called the Lawnmower 2, and it has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's a zero-turn mower. It gets the job done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's scrote-safe. That's guaranteed. But I can't tell you how many lacerations my ball sack used to have before we got Manscaped. Well, you shouldn't have been using that bull whip, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. In my defense, it was a rusty lawnmower blade. But either way, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls. That's day one stuff. Act now and you can get 20% off and free shipping. Just use the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the right job. Your balls will thank you. The Blair Oaks Falcons are once again state champions. And the only place to get your 2020 state champions Falcons cap is at the local. Go to shoplocalswag.com and use the promo code STATECHAMPS and receive 10% off of your order. They're only available for a limited time, so get yours today. Shop Local Swag. Your school, but cooler. It's that time of year when families gather together to reopen old feelings. And Silver Bell Records is proud to present A Dysfunctional Family Christmas. This is the album your family is sure to cherish for Christmases to come. 
Christmas time, you force a smile. Everyone is joining in the group denial. Folks behaving infantile. Family Christmas time. Hit after dysfunctional hit. Songs like the almost perfect Christmas. Dinner is perfect, the presents are perfect, the tree and the parlor's a perfect one. Then your brother yells at your mother, Christmas is ruined for everyone. Get timeless favorites like someday I'll get Christmas right. I've got my drinking under control for the holidays. Peace on Earth, where? And the daughter's song. Presents and wrapping paper, ribbons and bows and all that stuff. Why do we even bother? Nothing we get you is good enough. This country Christmas classic. Every Christmas when you got drunk, I told the children you were not drunk. And I said, Tommy, you're not being bad. It's just that Christmas makes your mommy mad. You'll get Can't You Let It Drop, It's Christmas. What I want, you can't buy me. Fruitcake and shame. And why am I the only one who knows what Christmas really means? And many more. Underneath the mistletoe, it's a two-by-two two jingle bell world. And underneath all those extra pounds is a very pretty girl. Daddy's nose is red and runny. Daddy's voice is gruff and funny. And the only words I can understand are God and Dan and Christmas. Just imagine 24 timeless standards, including the classic Carol of Intimacy. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine, just get away. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine, just get away. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine, just get away. To order, call 1-800-GET-HELP today. Operators are standing by. And we are back. Colin, you ready to hit the mailbag? Let's do it. Here's the mail, it never fails It makes me want to wag my tail When it comes, I want to wail Hello, Houston I won't be watching a lot of this game But what I've just seen is Why can't any cunt tackle? I mean, Rogers is making the throws And some of his throws are great But fucking tackle him Jesus Christ I'm going to say it Basilak has looked like shit. He looks like shit in this game. He looked like shit ever since the LSU game. He had four touchdowns that game. I don't know. I think he's had like one since. He has like five touchdowns or something. He literally, he, he's literally a game, a glorified game manager. Offense looks like shit. Defense looks like hot garbage. Hot garbage. Oh, I'm so fucking done with everything right now. Mizzou Kurt lives on. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I'm not that hard on Bazelak. I mean, you, you want to call him a game manager? I don't know if it, I mean that may be fine because he's not. Uh, he you know he's not the primary option in this offense. He's, it is Roundtree, but that doesn't mean he's not capable of it. I think he's shown himself to be more than capable of it. This was clearly his worst game in a Tiger uniform, and the one thing. Well, and like I said, he has not got a lot of protection, and he is a freshman. As bad as he's played the last few games, his this season he has played. It's still better than Drew Locke's first season. I mean, not that Drew Locke's first season was bad, but he has th- thrown the ball better and been more accurate. I mean, Drew Locke was, his completion percentage for his entire co- collegiate career was not wildly no. impressive. It was I mean, really like, low. It was just above Matty Mock levels. Basilak, I'm not saying he's Drew Locke. I think because Basilak sort of came out, shot out of a cannon, it, it, it makes his regressions all that more stark. But he has been pretty solid. With very little protection as a freshman, a redshirt freshman, I, I think people don't don't bail on Bazelak yet. I think him and Drink are a good combo. And but you know, and the Cook kid looks good. And I'm sure there's going to be recruits. I'm not guaranteeing Bazelak will be the quarterback in four, four years, but I'd still put money on it. I feel more comfortable with Bazelak than I do Drew Locke. And other than this game, the one thing that Bazelak has been has made me feel comfortable because he rarely will do what a lot of quarterbacks are capable of, which is the soul-crushing interception. Soul crusher. Nobody has the power to absolutely crater the momentum of a game like a quarterback who just tosses it into 
uh, cornerback's hands. And he, of course, he looked like a deep threat whenever we went against LSU. LSU made a strange strategic decision at the beginning of this year, which is to not play defensive backs on the field or safeties. And so, yeah, we threw it over the top because, and I know they didn't have any defensive backs in that game because whenever we caught touchdown passes, there were no LSU uniforms on the television screen, but we didn't play LSU every week. Some weeks going with Roundtree was the right call. Hey, assholes. It's Daniel at Silver Dollar City. So, uh, are these announcers just going to have their mask on for the entire broadcast? Because it's kind of annoying here. I can't understand what they're saying. Sounds I'm like half our voicemails. That I disagree with the science and everything. You know, people should wear masks except for SEC announcers because they don't matter. <laughs> if they die, who cares? Just let them die. I want to listen to broadcasters fuck up this game without masks on. Is that too much to ask? It's honestly like I don't want to hear them at all. But if I'm going to have to hear them, at least I'd like to hear them clearly, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes they seem more intelligent when, they, when they're when they indecipherable. <laughs> That's some shit. 27 points in the first half to a Mississippi State offense is not even good. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Ryan Walters should not be here next year. He's just hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. Terrible. You can't even blame talent this time because these guys are not getting run over by five stars. These are three and two stars just like us coaching and um, i don't even know i can't even say it and this is just embarrassing sorry there's a little bit of my whiskey ice cubes but uh you're just gonna have to deal with that if you're gonna ask me to podcast without whiskey it's just not gonna happen i don't know why the hell barry odom coached the team in the first half but hopefully drink will come out in the second no i didn't but that is true it did it, it seemed like a regression to barry odom days it's the only game all year that has but it did Jesus Christ, the same thing happened last year before the Vanderbilt team. You guys had some beat rider on from Dandy, and you're all jerking each other off, talking about how Mizzou was going <laughs> to win by 50. Did the same thing with the Mississippi State rider this week. Yeah. You guys are hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. This is all your fault, M-I-Z. I agree. <laughs> you him off pretty hard. That is some good, <laughs> some good analysis. Guilty as charged. Holy shit. Thank God my doctor took me off the bush light and fireball. This is pathetic. <laughs> they got to turn this shit around in the second half. M-I-Z. I got bad news for you. Didn't work. First half was over now. Was ridiculously rough. She's a great big fat person. expect that whenever you're down to star safety and only have three scholarship corners. As long as we can hopefully get the offense going in the second half, make a game of it, still a positive season, M-I-Z. Colin, I don't know about you, but I'm terrified knowing that uh, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs is now calling our show. Puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. She a great big fat person. She a great big fat person. Well, at least we're a basketball school now. Man, everyone saw when this team going to a bowl game in Florida. This team plays like they should go to Independence Bowl. This is such hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. So I just got done cleaning that diaper. My three-month-old daughter just shit all the way up the back of the zoo onesie. <laughs> I gotta say, guys, that is about a perfect analogy to this fucking game. Baby shit up a back of a... Ugh. Yeah, that's, that's the way the game went. How is it possible to rush three players and still have guys wide open. Defense is hot as garbage. M-I-Z. Drove down to fucking Starkville, Mississippi. I have goddamn cowbells about to break my eardrum. We're Vanderbilt right now. This is goddamn awful. And in this rake straw, this big old recruit that we stole from Alabama has fucking blown this game. We're playing terrible. Five and five is what we deserve to be. We've beaten shitty teams all year. And I'm sorry, but this is a fucking embarrassment. Mississippi State, like, this place is trash. So all I'm saying is fuck this shit. Let's get the season over with. We don't even need to go to a fucking bowl game. 2021, bring it on. M-I-Z. Fuck. That's the message. Succinct, but the guy that went down to Mississippi State, that's always the big shudder that goes down my spine because it's always expensive to go on the road to watch a Tigers game. And, God, there's no guarantee it's going to be fun on the drive back. 
Well, that's, I mean, I, we and Caleb talked about before, we, we made the trip to Vanderbilt to watch them lose in the rain. You think it sucks sitting at home. Imagine going to Starkville and having Ooh. to watch that shit. Sounds like a prison sentence. The offense fucking sucks. They are fucking horrible. We look like Derek Dooley is still running the fucking offense out there, bro. We need to get our shit together soon. Yeah, we did look Josh Henson-esque at times out there. The football is brown! By the way, we are not fucking good. We came in this game <laughs> depleted. We are playing the second-to-worst SEC West team. We are getting our asses handed to us. I did not drive here to fucking Starkville, Mississippi to see this. Uh, sorry, damn. man. I hate it so much. M-I-Z. <laughs> this is the price you pay. For being a Mizzou fan. This team's got a lot of quit in them. The only thing that'll cheer me up now is to watch Dan Mullen get ass raped by that uh, elephant mascot of the Crimson Tide. That's a weird porno. (laughs) The guy's in some weird porno, Brennan. It's true, but it sells big in the SEC country. I would rather drink a cup of boiling hot hot dog water. Hot dog water. Than to have to watch the rest of this game. I mean, just go for a light hike. Just go for a walk. There are other options than Mizzou game or nuts in the boiling water. Yeah, don't, you don't have to. You don't have to give yourself their decree going and scold your ball sack. Yeah, you talk know. to your kids <laughs> or don't. Maybe you should. Or go for the boiling hot ball sack water. Yeah, yeah. I don't want him around children, but in, even if they're his own. Between the hot dog water and Phil's nut sack water, we're making some interesting tea here at the Mazodcast. Ugh. Hashtag air raid. <laughs> Hashtag air raid. But the air raid. The air raid is life. Respect the air raid. <laughs> All right. I do. Hey, this is Billy down here in Mississippi. Have you heard of the air raid? That's what we do down here is the air raid. Now, if you've been listening to the show, they've been talking about the air raid because the air raid is the way. <laughs> hey, have you heard about the air raid? It's the whole thing is here. Oh, wait, sorry, I have my mask on. Have you heard about the fucking air raid? the air raid. I don't think anybody deserves a player of the game award, but if you got to give it to somebody, Whitey McWhiterson, Barrett Bannister, he was definitely a vanilla gorilla. Barrett Bannister, interesting choice. One thing it's important to have while talking about this year as far as how good it was is to have perspective. We were not expected to have more than three wins this season, and to have five is incredible. That's a great year for drink, and uh, it's also important with perspective, you know, we didn't have any drama in the locker room this year. You can count a shit ton of past years where we've had the starting quarterback fucking the tight end girlfriend, and we've had <laughs> inner strife between hot through lock and mock talk, whatever that was back in the 2015. Good memory. So, hot lock, mock talk. Credit to drink. He's kept the team together, even though we've had some gut-wrenching shit down our pants losses you know we haven't had any bullshit come out of the locker room it's a pretty tight-knit group i think so i think they win together lose together miz he forgot to mention brantley putting a gun to one of his his teammates head (laughs) yeah there was that too no and but he's right and you can tell these are getting later into the uh, night where people are starting to gain a little perspective versus that aggravation of this one game versus what does it mean for the rest of the season and the accomplishments that have been done? And I think he's right on cue. I mean, this is a good team. We didn't have a lot of the drama that we've shown in past seasons. And overall, things were trending in the right direction. That's why it's so disappointing that at the very end, we nosedived. Well, there you have it, Colin. I mean, I think that's pretty much the reactions I expected. I I didn't know if there'd be a little bit of like crazy outrage, but there wasn't really. I think people were justifiably upset, but at the end, the point is valid. We turned into a decent team. We were a shit team last year. Everything's going in the right direction, but man, you got to scratch your head on what's going on on defense. And we got a bowl game coming up against Iowa in the Music City Bowl now. And uh, what the hell are we going to be like? We're a 15-point underdog right now, and that seems right based on how 
poorly we've been playing. No, it's it's hard to imagine a scenario where Mizzou wins that game with the way the defense is playing. Like I, I still have confidence that Drinkowitz can game plan and have us in a position to score some, some touchdowns. But we've been letting people just throw 50 burgers up on us left, right, and center. Yeah, until that stops, it's hard to imagine us winning a game against a good team like Iowa. Yeah, why don't we do something to cheer ourselves up? Why don't we do a little Kansas news? Well, I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. The first story of the day, Kansas man accused of lying to get VA reimbursement. Well, that checks out. That sounds right to me. A Southwest Kansas man is accused of lying in order to get money from the Veterans Affairs Travel Program. U.S. Attorney Stephen McAllister says Edward Parks of Liberal Kansas is charged with one count of submitting false claims for travel reimbursement and one count of making a false statement to investigators of the VA Office Inspector General. Well, I'd say the uh, the disappointing part about that is it's like the medical reimbursement for mileage is like basically cents on the dollar. So this guy's scheme is probably worth about $67 total for the year. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a lot of trouble to get into for very little reimbursement. I mean, this guy really, he could have jacked punks off under the bridge for 10 bucks a man and made a lot more money. Well, who's to say he wasn't doing both? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe that's where he was traveling too. Kansas man works to save turkeys from extinction. Now, this is something that's interesting. A guy in Kansas is trying to save an animal that is not endangered. I was about to say, Brendan, are turkeys about to go extinct? And I just didn't know about it because here in Missouri. Uh, we farm them. Yeah, I was say, I've seen quite a few turkey farms. Turkey <laughs> farms, you know what I mean? Like, and you, you can't miss them because you can smell them miles before you see them. Yeah. Well, maybe they seem endangered in Kansas because wildlife just won't grow there. You know, other than (laughs) prairie dogs, there's very little life. It says Frank Reese agrees with Benjamin Franklin that turkeys are not only interesting, they're special. For decades, he's made it his life's mission to save the non-commercialized turkey. At his farm in Lindsberg, he wants to build a first-of-its-kind heritage fowl research center. Along with being one of the largest breeders of standard bred heritage and heirloom poultry in the country, Reese is an expert on the endangered species. Now, I'm going to stop you right there. They don't seem so endangered to me. Yeah, I feel like there's lots of wild turkeys. Yeah, I, I think there are. In fact, I, feel, I feel like I've got several friends that hunt them year after year, and they're always around. <laughs> Not a problem, right? Imagine mm-hmm. this being your fucking hobby. God! Well, I mean, how much does this guy hate his wife? That's what I, it comes down to. <laughs> a lot. I mean, a lot. How many turkeys does he have sex with? I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that's what it all boils down to. Well, I think when it comes down to animal husbandry of any type, it's not really worth the effort if you're not going to fuck one or two of the animals, right? <laughs> I mean, if we're going to get inside the head of a Kansan. And I don't want to. Kansas man arrested for healing services that allegedly led to sexual battery. Led to ejaculation is my guess. <laughs> yeah, as so often happens. Kansas man claiming to offer business and pain management services has been arrested and charged with 10 counts of sexual battery. Mario Urzua, sometimes goes by Don Mario, is in the Wyandotte County, Kansas jail on $50,000 bond. And Kansas police are asking for the public's help if they know anything about his healing services, which he sold to members. Several people who had sought these services told police that he had sexually assaulted him. You know, I did hurt, but I did momentarily feel better while I was coming. <laughs> but that didn't last very long. So I feel like I was kind of, you know, it's kind of a scam. Yeah, except for the brief coming part, bad stuff. <laughs> for the brief part where I came, my back pain was just right back. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I, I for, no, don't get me wrong. You know, full faith and credit here. Let's be straightforward. For, you know, the uh, three to six seconds I was coming, back pain, not there. Well worth after, every I mean, penny. Before and after the coming, the back pain really unchanged. Specifically the after. Yeah, specifically the after. I mean, unchanged. But listen, I don't feel like I got my money's worth because the pain, you know, basically immediately came back. After the coming. After the coming. But to be honest, affordable way to come. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this puritanical world we live in, Brendan, where a man can't stroke off another man in the privacy of his own business and or home for money. 
Just 17 tornadoes reported in Kansas in 2020. It's interesting that Kansas reports 17 tornadoes as being a bad year. It's the thing they're or good at. A good year, basically. That, that climate change, it's a big hoax. I mean, look at Kansas. They're having less than 20 tornadoes. You know, you would think, well, that's good, less storms. But the reality is that every time there is a tornado in Kansas, it just destroys terrible things that are in Kansas. You know, it makes this place better. It's a way of improving Kansas is to massively destroy it in a windstorm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know how you get like frustrated with your wife, your kids or coworkers or whatever, and every once in a while you just blow up and like they have to leave the room or you say something you wish you had and just, you just kind of, you lose it for a minute. Kansas is such a fucking awful, miserable place that God just loses it 17 to 20 times a year and he's just like, fuck it. And he throws a tornado at him. In your analogy here, God was kind of happy with Kansas this year, you know, just through 17 tornadoes. Piss him off as much. I mean, 2020 has been such a fucking miserable year that God was just like busy dealing with shit other elsewhere. So Kansas was just not, you know what I mean? Like it just didn't get, it didn't hit his radar as much. They pissed him off 17 times this year. (laughs) They already threw a tornado. Let's not just, it's not nothing. It is less than usual. Yeah, it's not nothing. I mean, uh, you know, Florida had a lot of problems this year. You know what I mean? Like there was other things, you know, like there's a pandemic to deal with. You know, God was kind of like, you know, he, he didn't get around to throwing tornadoes at Kansas as often as he might have in <laughs> other years. But I look for a, re- you know, we got the vaccine now. So I look for a big tornado resurgence next year, Brent. Well, they can do it. I believe in Kansas. They didn't play football, Colin. Kansas finished their season 0 and 9. 0 and 9. That's uh, less miles. You know, he's supposed to be the hero. You know, he has a national championship. I don't know if you heard that or not. You know, it's funny with less miles and like other college coaches like Gene Chizik or whatever the fuck his name is, or, or at the NFL level, like the Brian Billicks or the, there are coaches that have won national championships, Super Bowls, had success, and then they can't get rehired. Nobody will ever say out loud what has happened, but you you know they have become like, oh, they've lost their fastball or they're impossible to work with. There's a reason, you know, like in a, in a conference that is loves retreads. What did Gene Chizik do after winning a national championship to be just fucking persona non grata? Yeah. Why is he not capable of coaching now? But uh, And that's what I mean with Les Miles. Like Les Miles is a guy who was at LSU, blue chip program, won national championships, and had to go to Kansas and is losing and, and winning no games. How is the drop off so steep? What did he think was going to happen when he took that job? I just feel like there's an unreported traumatic brain injury. You know what I mean? Because of HIPAA, they just didn't tell us about. Like he slipped out coming out of a bar his head on a fucking curb and now half of his brain doesn't work anymore and like because of HIPAA they can't really talk about it but that's what happened maybe the grass just isn't as nutritious as it is down in Louisiana I don't know it, you know I watch these college sports shows and these NFL sports shows and I'm like why is that guy not coaching anymore and they're like oh because nobody wants him but nobody says why obviously Les Miles is showing us why it leads us into uh, our final segment of the day Colin we are going to do our final around the horn with the SEC it's a, it's a little late so maybe we won't go through all the games, but there are bowl implications. So let's take a look now at what happened with our brethren in the SEC. We we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, would you fire up the Paul Feinbutt for the final time of the regular season? Will do. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. All right, Paul, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. You ready to go? Let's get started. All right, the first game we have on the docket is Ole Miss versus LSU, and this is exactly the kind of game that you thought it would be. Uh, nearly 100, well, over 100 points scored. LSU sneaks out the win 53-48. to 48. Uh, God, yeah. I wish I would have taken the over on this one. It was like 74. Yeah. I was like, ah, 74. Ooh, I want that, and I didn't take it, and now I feel like a fool. It, the thing is that Ole Miss was well on their way to winning this game. They were about to march down the field. I mean, there was no defense. I mean, you know that I watch a lot of Ole Miss football now. Matt Corral had five fucking interceptions in this game. I mean, you talk about a guy who had a bad day. 
Basilak had no bad days. Corral threw five interceptions and lost a very winnable game against a terrible LSU I team. have not seen near as much Ole Miss football as you have, but at, at a glance, just my perception is, is Matt Corral is criminally overrated. You're right about that. He has these moments where he looks really good, and he obviously leads Ole Miss to score a lot of points, but he's prone to a lot of fuck-ups. And I think SDS always ranks quarterbacks in the SEC, and he's always way up there. And I'm always like, oh. you know, like I'm no NFL scout, but I watch him. I'm kind of like, oh, about all that. Yeah, here's my little message whenever they put those rankings out. Touchdowns are good, but interceptions, they're bad. I think yeah. I need to think about we that. Should, we should pass it along. Maybe we should shoot an email to SDS. <laughs> That's a good idea. All right, the next score we have was Tennessee versus Texas A&M. I think we all knew how this was going to go. Texas A&M looked very good in their win over Tennessee, 34-13. to 13. <laughs> And uh, Jimbo, uh, Jimbo Fisher, Fisher made his made his plea for uh, the playoffs, and it fell on deaf ears. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was a pretty bold face, just like put me in. We belong, and nobody else deserves it because we're in the SEC. Well, kind he's of just move. like saying we win in the SEC, so you know, give me a break. And I mean, I get it. Listen, Ohio State passes the eye test. They look like a fucking steamroller of a football team. But if I was a coach and I played ten fucking games, and that the, the a team played five gets in. I'd, I'd be pissed off too. Yeah, no, I think he's justified, and but and he and he's doing what he's supposed to do as an advocate for the school and for the team. Yeah, what's he supposed to say? He's like, you know, what? don't put us in. Yeah, put Notre Dame in. They're really cool. Yeah, everybody loves Notre Dame. <laughs> They're never overrated. I do hope they get absolutely fucking mud stomped. And they will. They'll get just, they'll get fucking curb stomped as they often do in these circumstances. That's a, that's a horseshit decision. But let's not go down that road. The show's already going to be too long. That's true. And we're not going to talk about the uh, Missouri-Mississippi State game. We've already gone into that. The final game of the day. Well, I will say the Vanderbilt and Georgia were not played, not because of COVID, just mercy rule. Alabama played Florida in the SEC championship. The only time they've been playing the SEC championship at the same time of three other football games in the SEC. But mm-hmm. a game I wasn't really expecting. I thought Alabama would be in control this entire time. Florida yeah, gave – Florida. Mm-hmm. acquitted themselves well they did and it's the first time you had questions like is alabama going to win this game and of course they did because they are an absolute steamroller every time i watch alabama i'm just i'm in awe of the just the you alabama. Just see the, the level of athlete that they have and it's not fucking fair you're right about that i mean you look at the nfl rosters nick saban yes thank you paul and you see, I mean, it seems like every team, half the team is goddamn Alabama players these days. They're Clemson. They're dominating college football. I know you listen to Kornheiser as as well as I do. And and they, they brought this up that, you know, is it going to be Alabama and Clemson again? Does that at some point start to hurt the ratings or the, the appeal of the playoffs? And I thought maybe it will. But my thing is, is like the, the, the solution to this problem is simple. You just expand the playoffs. And then, it, you know, if a Coastal Carolina can sneak in. Maybe you still end up with Clemson and Alabama, but at least there was some drama to get there, and it didn't. It didn't just come down to a bunch of crotchety old white guys making a decision. Well, the the way the college football postseason works is an archaic system that should have been changed many many years ago. But there's so much money involved. The fact that they ever went to a BCS and then from a BCS to a playoff at all is amazing to me because it took my entire life for it to happen. Just to go from four to six and six to eight would be amazing. You know, I mean, if we, I've always felt like, give us an 18 playoff. Everybody else shut the fuck up about it. That's a regular amount of tournament type games to have. 18 playoff, the best team wins. If you're not one of the best eight teams, you don't belong. And if you play in this tournament of eight teams and you come out ahead, you're the, nobody can question it. That's the way it should yeah. be. One day we'll get there. But uh, too much hemming and hawing and bad ideas. I, I just don't understand why every conference champion gets a spot in the playoffs. And then you have like four wild cards or, or whatever you want to call it. So Alabama got in. But Florida's also going to get in because they're really fucking good. And they get one of those wild card spots. And- yeah. And, well, in the power, say you give the power fives the automatic berth. And then you have three spots remaining in an eight-game playoff situation. Or eighteen. Yeah, that's situation. what I'm saying. Like you give the it's, – it's not hard to do. And the playoff system has been wildly profitable and – I remember one of the few times I've ever bought you a gift in your life, and I don't remember why I decided that year to get you any sort of gift for any reason, but I remember buying you Death to the BCS. Mm-hmm. I just, the BCS uh, was garbage, and it took years to get rid of it. I just, 
And they've been talking about expanding the playoffs since there's been playoffs, and they they just refuse to do it. Yes, sir. So we don't have a, an A-game playoff. We have a weird four-game playoff with a lot of teams who've played various different amounts of games. But for most of the SEC, the bowls aren't going to matter in the playoff circumstance. So let's go down the list of bowl games in the SEC now, Colin. And we're going to have an SEC bowl game preview show when these get closer. But uh, let's just list what's going to happen. We'll start chronologically. I'm going to skip over the Missouri Music City Bowl game against Iowa because we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Florida versus Oklahoma in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic on December 30th. Florida's a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Oklahoma. Florida at 8-3, and three, Oklahoma at 8-2. and two. This should be a good game, I think. Yeah. That's a good game. I wouldn't want to bet it. No, and it's a deserving Cotton Bowl. You know, Cotton Bowl is a big bowl, and uh, Florida is a very good team. I mean, Florida's a very good team. They're not to be overlooked, and and I would like to see them clobber Oklahoma because it would be a statement that because Oklahoma is the equivalent of them. They're, you know, they're at number six, Florida's at number seven. They're very similar records. For Florida to just clobber Oklahoma would be a statement for the conferences. Florida. Yeah, I agree with that, Paul. Moving down to uh, the New Year's Eve game, which is the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Tulsa, number 24 in the country at 6-2, and two, is going up against our old foe, Mississippi State, now 3-7. and seven. Tulsa is actually a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which tells you what a devastating loss it was for us to get clobbered by Mississippi State. Yep. The way we played against Mississippi State, I don't know that we beat a Tulsa. Paul, who do you think is going to win this one? Mississippi State. All righty. We've got one more game that night. Arkansas faces TCU. Arkansas at three and seven, but everybody in Arkansas seems to think that they're seven and three for some reason. And TCU is six and four. They're a five and a half point favorite in the Texas Bowl. I guess it's a home game for Texas, sort of. I don't know. This is Arkansas's chance to prove that the early successes and some of the little bright spots they've seen aren't just complete flukes. Because for all the love they have of Sam Pittman, I feel like they keep forgetting they are three and seven. They're shitty. Yeah, they had some surprise wins at the beginning of the season. And it's been a pretty well fucking uh, uh, nosedive to the fucking basement since then but uh, yeah close games don't count you know they've had close games good for you good for you all righty new year's day bowls we've got three sec games we've got georgia facing cincinnati in the chick-fil-a peach bowl cincinnati's nine and oh eight in the country georgia seven and two number nine in the country georgia's a touchdown favorite in this one and i expect them to absolutely tub thump Cincinnati. Yeah, the only way Cincinnati doesn't get uh, obliterated in this is if Georgia, because they're disappointed they're not in the, in the playoffs, just sort of sleepwalks through this game. But I, I anticipate a, a sodomization of Cincinnati. <laughs> I do too, because I was hoping they would sleepwalk against us, and they did not. They clobbered us. No. I take no. that action at seven points. This is an interesting one. Uh, the Big Ten Conference runner-up Northwestern, number 14 in the country, and 6-2 and two, is going to go up against a coachless Auburn team at 6-4. and four. In the Citrus Bowl this year, Northwestern's a three and a half point favorite. Northwestern's sneaky good, I feel like. I, I hate that. They've been sneaky good for the past couple of years. Yeah. Man. So, listen, not a team I'd want to play. I feel like teams without coaches lose in bowl games. It just reminds yeah. me of when we played Arkansas in like the 2008 Cotton Bowl. Houston Nutt had just quit that team and they played like garbage and Mizzou took advantage of them. I think I might take Northwestern in that game. Agreed. And then the, uh, the big playoff game on. The 1st of January is Alabama, number one in the country, 11-0, taking on number four, Notre Dame, 10-1. Alabama, you want to guess the spread on this one, Colin? Of uh, 16. Not too shabby. 19.5 for Alabama. They are 19.5 yeah, point I, favorite. Alabama. Fully expect Alabama to push their turds way inside of them. You're right it's about that. Pushing, Britain. <laughs> it is going to be a turd it's pushing be game. a good old-fashioned turd pushing. Turd pushing. <laughs> Just like Grandpa used to talk about. Yeah! Yeah, old Grandpappy used to tell us good old-fashioned turd-pushing story. Turd-pushing. <laughs> and really, children shouldn't have heard them. <laughs> no, we were not old. No. <laughs> Did we get, I'm not going to say it didn't get, leave me with a few nightmares. Has it shaped my sexual peccadillas as an adult? Perhaps, but you know, you, you can't change what ha- what the past, Brennan. You just gotta gotta roll with punches. Yeah, you just gotta put on that Miss Piggy mask and go to town. Sure, you you, you put on your Miss Piggy mask, you you get burned with cigarettes, and you come. <laughs> and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. That's right. You get the job done. All right, Saturday, January 2nd, Ole Miss is facing Indiana in the Outback Bowl. Indiana's, believe it or not, Indiana University is 
Number 11 in the country, 6 and 1. Ole Miss is 4 and 5. Indiana's a six and a half point favorite on this one. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to lie. I'm, I haven't seen a lot of Indiana football this year, but I have seen a lot I of Ole Miss Ole football. I take Ole Miss not having watched a moment of Indiana football. Well, Ole Miss is going to put up 50 points. That's that's, that's what, what we saying, know. Like, you know, like you, the best thing that ever happened is fucking Matt Krug is neck broke in the fucking middle of the first quarter. And they put that plubly kid and he just fucking runs all over the fucking place because they prepared for something else. All You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. I just feel like there's a million different ways that this goes right for Ole Miss and wrong for fucking Indiana. Yeah, especially with Indiana almost a touchdown favorite. Uh, if you like Ole Miss to win, this is good money to take here. Yeah, we'll have to talk to Caleb the Greek if we can ever get him to be part of the show. We'll have to ask him what he thinks. Ole Miss? You're right about that. All righty. And then Kentucky at 4-6 and six is taking on number 23, NC State, who is 8-3 and three in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Kentucky is a two and a half point favorite, which says something to me about the ACC and what the press think about him or what Vegas thinks about the ACC. You know, ACC is fucking garbage, embarrassing football garbage. But uh, it's a weird Kentucky has sort of been overrated for three years and it's yeah. never really been good, but mm-hmm. overrated. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they got a good offensive line. Bull stoops. He can really coach him up. And it's like, really? Because I feel like they win not that many games. You know what I mean? <laughs> Their best season, like, hey, Kentucky won seven whole games this season. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. And then, like, this season, they're like, well, they didn't get near seven, but, boy, they're, they're going to be fine. They got that good coach. I'm just like, uh, really? Mark Stoops has got them fooled, I guess, because they were not that good this year, and uh, they'll yeah. get their Mark chance. Mark Stoops has been Buffalo in the fucking SEC media for about th- three or four years now. Texas A&M and North Carolina, Colin, that's the final game we have on January 2nd. Texas A&M's number five in the country, eight and one. North Carolina's number 13 at eight and three. This is the Capital One Orange Bowl game, and uh, Texas A&M is a seven-point favorite. I think Jimbo's going to do a little turd pushing of his own on this one. Turd pushing. Sometimes I think teams are disappointed when they don't make the playoffs and they can sleepwalk their game. I think uh, Jimbo's going to look at this as an opportunity to show everyone why they should have been in the playoffs. And uh, I would not want to play Texas A&M at this point because I think you're going to be playing a pissed off team. I think you're right. I think Texas A&M, they made a case for being in the playoffs and they made a good one and they didn't get there. But uh, North Carolina, I think you drew the short straw because you're going to go up against a pretty good juggernaut. And I say that reluctantly because I don't like Texas A&M and most of the time they shit the bed. And, and I expect them to do so, but they, I have to admit, they didn't do it this year. Texas A&M. That'll do it for Around the Horn. So Missouri is going to face Iowa in the Music City Bowl on December 30th, and I'm kind of apprehensive about it because we are 5-5 five and five and we've been tanking, but I also don't know much about Iowa, and so we're going to have to do a little bit of homework on that one. But let's talk about some other news, Colin, because the season ended and Missouri was awarded some uh, SEC honors. One of the things we didn't get was uh, Eli Drinkwitz. We were hoping that maybe he would become SEC Coach of the Year. That did not happen because it went to, of course, Nick Saban. No, he needed another one. (laughs) Yeah, and I knew whenever Nick Saban got COVID and was coaching from home, there was a good chance that that was where he was going to get it. Well, and I think Drinkwitz didn't do himself any favors in the last two weeks of of the home stretch. So, Yeah, no, if he would have won six or seven games, which, you know, I said was possible – and meant it at the time, and I think the Georgia game that was uh, that wasn't really realistic, but certainly the Mississippi State game that, that he would have been looking good. But yeah, and, and Nick Saban looks like he's got one of the best teams he's had in a long time. But you know, the SEC after the season was over gave out their honors and gave Trajan Jeffcoat first team All SEC honors with, of course, Nick Bolton as well was first team All SEC. Uh, it's good to have two guys on that first team because uh, they usually forget about Missouri. And uh, I saw Bazelak got some freshman honors. Yeah, freshman of the year. I think it was co-freshman of the year, but uh, that is a big deal to get that, you know. And and I was kind of hoping Nick Bolton might be SEC Defensive Player of the Year, but of course they didn't. Uh, they, I do, do want to say that freshman All SEC honors went to uh, our Mevis. thicker kicker Harrison Mevis. Yeah, and it, that was well deserved. I mean, he was a real bright the spot in the scene. Kicker. That's right. So, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled about that. He deserves it. We give out our own honors, Colin. We were talking about player of the game earlier. Do you think there's a player that deserves to be the Mississippi State player of the game? I mean, I, I really Roundtree don't. played well. You know what I mean? Roundtree did what Roundtree does. You know, what offense we had went through Roundtree. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's hair, player of the game. 
I, I think, think it's I'm going to put the flax and locks of our once uh, former terrible quarterback with amazing hair and give that award to uh, Roundtree, in my opinion. Yeah, I heard a Bannister uh, appeal in the voicemails, but I think Roundtree is far more deserving. I'm happy to give Roundtree yet another. And his final game is a Tiger, likely, because he's going to sit out the bull game right here. The Kurt Farmer's Hair Player of the Game Award. Colin, do you have any uh, nominees for the Douche of the Week? The TJ Mo Douche of the Week. Douche of the Week. Well, I, uh, I uh, was going to nominate Brian Kelly, uh, Notre Dame's coach, for uh, basically pissing and moaning that he maybe not, not even sure he wanted to play in a bowl game because these students' uh, parents couldn't be there. And I'm like, you're, you're talking about a playoff spot. Teams are killing to get them, bending over backwards to get them. You're going to pretend like you're not even going to show up just because parents can't watch? You fucking break. Yeah, and of all the things that are, I mean, football coaches, college football coaches are the most obtuse, out of touch, dumbass pieces of shit in the world in general. You know, they 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 just don't live on the same planet as us. Well, and you know, where wherever you fall on the how serious we take the COVID pandemic, you know, maybe you're a zero and you say masks are stupid, or maybe you're a ten and you haven't left your house since last March. And, the, and or you're somewhere in between on that scale, wherever you're at on that scale, I can't imagine a giant packed stadium full of people condensely together is a good idea. Tell that what to Dan you? Mullen. Yeah. You know, or, or Brian Kelly, apparently like, guys, it's one fucking year. You know what I mean? Could you just set a good example for your students? And like, I'd love to ask the players that, hey, if your coach opts out of the fucking playoff because of, because, you know, the, the parents can't watch you play, are you okay with just, you know, skipping playing in the playoffs? You know, this once a lifetime experience you'll never get again. Are you okay with your coach taking a principled stand on something stupid like that? Of course not. They'd fucking, they'd kill him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's not serious. It's a dumb thing to say. Maybe they have access to a television. Because you, you, you know it's hard to get Notre Dame games fucking <laughs> televised. <laughs> you know, like they got a fucking entire network that's devoted to them. This is the dumbest thing I heard come out of a coach's fucking mouth this week. Till fucking douche of the week. Douche of the week indeed. Let's move it along, Colin, because while Missouri football has been struggling the last couple of weeks, we do have something positive to talk about. The Missouri basketball team took on Bradley University, and uh, Missouri is number 14 in the country in basketball. I guess uh, we had sat out a game because of COVID positives on our opponent's team last week, I think, so we hadn't played last week, yet we moved up, I think, two points in the rankings. We went from number 16 in the country to number 14 in the country, and we played Bradley, who hasn't beaten a top 15 opponent since 1956 but we thought we'd change that and we played one of the worst games i'd seen since kim anderson was leading the tigers it was a fucking ugly game at the end of the day missouri did find a way to finally beat bradley and put them away on a last second free throw from the last person you expect jeremiah tillman big game for tillman he uh, hit a really clutch shot won that game it was a it was a good win in that it was a huge relief but my God, it was one of the ugliest basketball games I've watched. Oh, and Bradley man. looked like shit too. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't just Missouri it was, being bad. It, it was just was, it was what I was accustomed or become accustomed to in in the Missouri days of of late. And that you know, like, there's no offense. No, the, you cannot buy a fucking shot. They didn't break sixty points in a Division one college basketball game against Bradley. They barely, they barely got 50. It was so bad and so ugly. And it was, it was turnovers. They were just bad shots, bad decisions, bad shot taking. And I mean, Bradley was not as talented. You could see that People on the floor. People are going to wake up tomorrow morning and see the, the, the score highlight at the bottom of the ESPN screen. They're just going to say Bradley 50, whatever to Missouri 50, whatever. And they're going to go, oh, I didn't know the women played last night. <laughs> Yeah, it is It is a WNBA score, but the frustrating thing about it was that Bradley was not that talented, but they did play ferocious defense, and they do play ferocious defense. Bradley is a good team, but we were clearly more physically capable team. We just played flat, and like you said, it just reminded me of all the basketball we've been watching for the last five or six years at Missouri, which is just uninspired, frustrating, boring shit basketball and i, I thought we were kind of past it you know i thought oh we're, we're we're good now we're number 14 in the country and uh, and then of course i was like well of course when we get into number 14 in the country we're going to lose to a team that hasn't beaten a top 15 opponent since 1956 but we didn't and that is the different thing about this team than in years past is we played poorly 
but we still found a way to overcome that and eventually won the game, ugly as it was. Yeah, that's what I was I was going to say. I saw one of our Twitter followers immediately point out, like, Mizzou usually loses this game in the past. And I'm like, that's true. They came through. They made a, Tillman made a clutch play at the end of the game, got, uh, went the stripe, hit a clutch shot. We won. But like I said, let's not ever play this game again. Let's no. go back to being really good at basketball. I've always thought when it comes to basketball, it's good to either get a loss early or to get a good scare early because teams do sort of rest on their laurels when it comes to basketball, I feel like. And if they're untested with sort of any adversity, I feel like teams that are going into the tournament 24-0, they're in some jeopardy. You know, it's the ones that have had to struggle and have been scared and been awoken to the fact that they are vulnerable at times. Those are the teams that really do something yeah, in the can- tournament. So I, in a way, you're glad you have that. You look back at the Bradley game and said, well, that could have been ugly, but you, yeah, I don't you think, learn from it. Yeah, I can't imagine that the Bill Selfs and the John Calipari's of the world are upset if their team loses a couple weeks before the tournament starts. Just to remind them that they're not invincible. I'm glad we didn't lose this game, but I'm hoping hoping it's a good thing. You know, like don't fall in love with that 14 guys because you just almost got beat by Bradley. That's right. And that's a good thing to know because we beat Illinois, we beat Oregon. This was starting to look like a year that could be special for Mizzou out of nowhere. And you lose to Bradley and that's deflated immediately. You know, then it, then well, you're just a pretender again who had a few good games. Tennessee is going to kick our nuts into our throat if we play like that against them. Tennessee is a legitimately good team as much as it pains me to say that. We can be a legitimately good team, but what we did tonight reminded me of the most frustrating parts of Conzo Martin-led basketball teams, which is every point seems like it is impossible to get. We had 48 points, and it seems like, God, they're leading us by four. That seems impossible. We can't score points. (laughs) Yeah, how are we ever come up with? A, how are we ever gonna go over overcome a four point lead in a basketball game? <laughs> but Conzo's teams make me feel that way. You know, it's oh, it's just a it's a three pointer and a layup away from a win, and it seems like the hardest thing in the world. Yeah, it's like we can't three pointer. What have you been watching this game? We don't do that. <laughs> We didn't much tonight, but but they did get the win, and so you got to hand it to them because you know much of Eli Drinkwitz's first year was the same way. It's like Missouri teams lose these games, and then we didn't lose the games until the Mississippi State game. But every other game, South Carolina, Arkansas, these close games, we won them. You know, we pulled it out and won the game, and that left us feeling good. And, and this is the first time that Kansas has been the coach, and it's the first time that Missouri fans have watched basketball in a long time and felt like. Oh, we won this one. We snuck it out. We played poorly, but we found a way. And I like having a team that is scrappy and can find ways to win. Agreed. Mazel tov. So, uh, Colin, what we're going to do before the bowl game is we're going to have a bowl preview game. We're going to do a little digging and do a little research about this Iowa Hawkeyes team we're going to go up against. We're going to talk to Peter Ball from The Athletic about the Missouri Tigers' chances of winning the game. And then we're going to look around at the rest of these SEC bowl games. And then, of course, we're going to have our regular postseason game probably around first of the year in 2021 after this horrible, horrible, horrible year. Year is finally fucking over. I'm ready for uh, ready for 2021. I am too, and I'm. I would love to see us pull a win because I have seen the talent that we're capable of putting out on the field. I know we can win. I think a few weeks are going to help us because we're we're in a funk, no doubt. Yep. So, all right. Well, until then, maybe we can get Caleb back. It's been fun talking to you. M I Z Z O U. turkeys is he having sex with.